All right, actually, before we do that as well. Cheers. Cheers, sir. Absolutely. To a good interview. To a good interview. Mm. All right, so let's kick it off. So, um, welcome to Babe Talk. This is the first episode that we're actually in the Babe Talk headquarters. Um, my mother, I love her dearly, um, always wants to know where I'm at just simply because she's afraid of what will happen to me. Yeah. And as a young black male, I'm not surprised. So when, so when I named the location that I'll typically be staying at, I named it Babe Talk Headquarters. Mm-hmm. And so now I get to officially say welcome to Babe Talk Headquarters with my <laughs> guest, Marcus Jade. Thank you. Absolutely, Thank you. absolutely. <laughs> so good to be here. Yeah, absolutely. This is fun. This is gonna be a fun episode. Um, based on a few different facts in itself, this is the first band interview or the first um, solo artist interview that I'm doing here. Um, mm-hmm. Sitting with a minority for starters, um, and then sitting in, in in my hometown. Like I can now call this my hometown. And it, it, it's really cool just just to be like, yo, like this is now my new scene. Right, right, all right. <laughs> and, and, you're, and you're also an individual that came from um, a different place that, that found himself in Brooklyn as well, right? Indianapolis, Indiana. Indianapolis, Indiana. Then found yourself in, in Bushwick, Brooklyn, New York. Found myself. Well, I'm currently in Bedside, but oh, yeah, wow. <laughs> I, I definitely found myself in Brooklyn. I've been since I've moved from Indiana. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was living in a town called Bloomington before I moved to New York, but I've been in Brooklyn since I moved here. So I'm kind of like a Brooklynite now. I've been here for two years. Oh, wow. So, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so like, now you can I'm, officially call I'm, myself a part I'm, of the I guess I can officially call myself a Brooklynite, but I kind of feel like if I ever tell people, like, I'm from Bed-Stuy, they'd be like, what part are you from? Like, I didn't know you when you were in school. Like... <laughs> That's you knew from here, so I'm like... That's very true. Like, that's a conversation I would never want to find myself in, no, only no, because it's no. just like, oh, well, yeah. I'm, well, uh, I'm from. <laughs> Which is easier to say, like, I'm lucky that, like, I can say, like, I'm from Bushwick, because people would be like, oh, okay, everyone's everyone's from anywhere else. Yeah, yeah, okay. So, like, so, I can have that conversation easily. You, on the other hand... I have to be I have to be very careful of what I say, and, like, I have to get the cross streets right. Like, yeah. I have to be specific, like, mm-hmm. some things, so... All kind of like little things here and there, but I, I just try to tell people I'm from Indianapolis, mm-hmm. been here for two years, and now live in Brooklyn. So, or say I'm based out of Brooklyn. So. Based out of Brooklyn, okay, that that makes sense as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, your genre of music that that you specialize in, and the reason why we're sitting here today is um, you're you're a singer song songwriter that mm-hmm. focuses on real old school blues type music. Yeah, um, I, I I just call it blues style. Um, because when you really study the blues, there's so many different facets of the blues in which historically um, you had blacks from the South, that Mississippi in particular, where you know they played a Delta style blues or they played a certain type of blues. And as you know, blacks started migrating, you know, from South to North during the Great Migration, they took that music with them. And so, given me from the Midwest, one of the places in particular, Chicago, mm-hmm. you know, they have a certain type of blues as well. And even in Chicago, there's, you know, there's a South Side style and then there's a West Side style. Mm-hmm. 
And granted that, like, historically, you know, those are not, they're all kind of convoluted now. But, you know, back in the day, like, that was, the West Side was a particular sound, the South Side was a particular sound. And even from where I'm from, Indianapolis, um, there's a famous guitar player that was from the 30s named Scrapper Blackwell. And okay. even he played a certain style of blues that was, um, you know, relevant to where he's from, where he was from, which is he was not too far from where I was born. So I say blues style in respect to like I kind of pull from all my favorite artists and I kind of make it my own in a way. But yeah. you're absolutely right, an old a old school style of blues in which that like I really look at the old school style, not the necessarily like rock and roll even though it's a huge influence to me but blues and blues style delta blues live blues chicago blues Mm -hmm. big city blues big city blues as well and and it's really cool because like i i I will never pretend like i i know a lot about music but blues is probably one of the one things that like i outside of like some bluegrass and like oh brother where art thou like that's about as far as my blues (laughs) you're not the only one to say that though see like I was just, I just had a conversation with somebody that said, was like, I don't know anything about blues, but yet they sing like Billie Holiday, yeah. Lady, like Bessie Smith. And I was like, well, there you go. You know, those were two blues ladies that kind of forefronted it for New York in particular. Um, the way I've looked at it, the way I've kind of like, kind of see it is that like, the further east you start to go, jazz becomes a much more bigger influence than blues. Mm-hmm. However, blues and jazz are one and the same. Very true. Like they're, they're very same. They're very similar. So um, for people that don't know blues, basically what it is is that it's it derives more or less from the original style in which it was played by the blacks in the south during the Great Depression and even when during the Reconstruction period after the Civil War, mm-hmm. um, there was a, it came from the field hollers and the distinctive mm-hmm. tones that blacks were particularly singing in their own way because mind you, um, during slavery, blacks couldn't really like speak to each other about trying to escape or talk to each other in certain ways. So they used coded language. Mm-hmm. And in that coded language, there were certain type of ways that they sung. There were certain types of ways that they were able to communicate with each other. And hence, the blues kind of comes from that. And then there's another part in the blues where it's always been about... Um, and there's a particular guitar player that I like called Sun House. And he says it better than most people is that blues, the original blues, the original B-L-U-E-S, <laughs> is... Um, derived from the idea of man and woman and if you are religious in any type of way you know that um when man was created man was lonely and so god gave him a, a partner mm-hmm. and a lot of a lot of the songs that are in blues music really do come from this i like to say now just to not be you know it's very heterosexual between a man and a woman. There's very much tones of just like, you know, heartbreak, getting dumped, losing someone, all those things that are actually so relevant now. Mm-hmm. Mind you that actually like 
just to get off on the tangent or just to just talk about it a little bit, like when it started coming to the to the bigger cities, mm-hmm. there were more women that were singing blues than men. And in particular, like New York, um, Ma Rainey or even Bessie Smith or even um, it was a, yeah Beth, Bessie Smith and Billie Holiday, you know, they kind of expanded on the idea of sexuality. And a lot of these women were, you know, attracted to women. Mm-hmm. So a lot of their music, even which is, you know, relevant in the blues formation, was very open-minded about the sexuality and it didn't have to be about men and women. And it could be about, you know, women owning up their owning their sexuality and then also being expressive to women and men. So kind of takes from all those different points of views. That's incredible. And and it just goes to show again, like whenever it comes to, to, to art, there really isn't like a um a a shoebox to throw expression in. No. Like like right. e- like even if it's if it starts out like like this is definitely a shape, it could be like, well, you know what, maybe <laughs> it's also a color as well. Right, right. So like it, it's it's fluid in that aspect and it's and it's amazing to just see the progression of it. Like even going back to your point with saying um because you know, like we learn in school, hopefully mm-hmm. you've learned in school, when it, when it comes to, to the coded speak with, with the slaves, yeah. it, it took me a minute to actually figure out, so it's like when you said the, the field hogs, I was like, oh shit, like that makes a lot of sense. And like even right. when, when you pick up the different tonage and, and the, the, the different ways that you can pull your voice to be able to bring that code out, I was like, you know right. what, that makes a lot of sense. Right. And it's just, just something I, I never knew before. Oh yeah. Or put together. Yeah, it's definitely like a hidden history, especially when it comes to black people of just like, this was, this was the way that we spoke to each other. Mm-hmm. This was the way that we carried information from one generation to the next. And this was how we like taught life lessons. This is how we danced. This is how we sung. This is how we got through the day. Really. Yeah, yeah. Just give me, and give that's, and that's what it was like. It boils down to, and I think my affinity for uh, the love of blues had really just came from the fact that as I got older, um, the elements, the language, the the culture had become. It became more important to me, more so as I got older than ever before. Simply because we know what's going on in the world. Yeah. There's there's so much violence especially when it comes in particular to minorities such as ourselves, there's so much violence that is going on amongst ourselves against us you know, politically, socially. And it kind of dawned on me that it was very important, not necessarily to just like stand in, stand in this whole idea of like, I'm going to sing this type of music and I'm going to be proud of what it is. And I'm going to be proud. And I'm going to give it to people and I'm going to do it because I'm proud of who I am. This is my culture. Mm-hmm. But it was more so of like, I want to do it because I love it. And the fact that it is black people's music that we created, that we birthed, that we've honed, that like, that makes me more so enthusiastic to even like want to tell people about it. And it makes me more so enthusiastic to want to play it. And I have a love to play it. Like I love, I love the music. Like I enjoy listening to it. So. Yeah, it becomes it, it's really it becomes a part of you and also an extension of you. Oh, like, yeah. like, like there's oh, so yeah. many different factors that go into it on on that that level. It's in our blood. It's in our blood. Exactly, it really is in our blood. Mm-hmm. And and it's it's a 
beautiful thing. Just just the culture within music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As much as the dumb thing is that they'd be like, the culture of music is important to everybody because it comes from somewhere. Right, but it does. Right. But like, and once you study it, and like, you know, really, especially nowadays, like, what is it? I, I don't even think I can name two blues artists that, that I know past the 70s. Like, okay, like, name, name, I, two, name, name two for me, and then, like, I'll tell you if they're oh, no. blues or not. I, I can't. I, I have zero idea. Like, like that's how, how, like, I didn't think it was still culturally relevant. However, like, like it seems as if, like, you're really starting to, to pull it back over to, to the forefront. Right. And it, it, it's so enjoyable to listen to. And, like, when I saw you perform over, um, there, there, there was a performance by Artery that, that was thrown on um, a month ago that, that you performed at with um, right. Good Fight. And which was a good show, by the way. That I was a really fun show. That was really cool. It. We're gonna get into artery. We're gonna get into artery later in the interview because that's also a different concept that I really didn't know existed. Because like I come from a DIY space, and, yeah, and yeah. they're doing, doing like a DIY space plus like Silicon Valley millennial yeah, 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 yeah. kind of like style. It's it's really interesting. It's very interesting. Very interesting. But 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 to go back to to, to your music, it was something new that was already familiar. And it was being back on the forefront. And I was like, this is really cool. And, I, and it, the one of the songs that stuck out to me was um, Hold Me, I Remember You Performing. And you actually just uploaded that to your SoundCloud. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a single, which I plan on putting out an EP. Um, I've been thinking about it about probably like in the beginning of April. Like I'm still kind of in flux with it because I want to like you know get mm-hmm. it not to perfection, but to the point of presentation. And it's like, yeah, yeah, Hold Me was uh, an accident that kind of happened. And it's not necessarily blues-like, but it's very singer-songwriter. However, I kind of feel like the the connotations or like the things that I write about, in particular when it comes to like Hold Me, um, they still have elements of just like disparity, but also of just like the the resolve of just the... sense of wanting to be loved at the end of the day and I think that like even blues music still has that of just like they're very sad and somber songs but yet at the end of the day they're they're very loving songs they're very like emotionally charged songs and so mm-hmm. Hold Me is a is a is a fun song to actually play and I remember writing that on a friend's table of just like line for line of just like sitting down and just kind of like word for word of just like putting it down and I'm very fortunate that it's like it's one of those songs that people love listening to oh absolutely because yeah. you know what like like there's there, there's this huge sense of intimacy that's a part of the song yeah. and like what is it one of the, the lines like, like like you know bring home a bottle and I'll shit just like and we'll just like you know unwind with the night right like it I, and I don't know if this is just, just you know like me thinking of like an older individual or just mm-hmm. like my friends are like yo let's go out and like let's Pound big beers hammered it. Right. <laughs> Eventually, like, you know, when you kind of do settle down, like, you don't have to settle down. Like, you can still, like, with, with, with the sultriness of the song and, and like, you're, you're just saying, like, draw a bath. Like, yeah. let me, like, play with my hair. Like, like just relax. Just get about, just relax at the night. It's like, yeah. and, and to, to cope that, cope, cope, to, to couple that with the, um, the with with the blues influence of like mm-hmm. like like the real like the song itself is intimate then to have the words go along with it, it to present the whole emotional package was yeah. really cool to see like right, it, right, it, it's, right. it's really <laughs> awesome to see an artist know what they're they're doing without even remotely know what they're they're, they're doing because it's so natural it, yeah it's, it's very natural very organic and I think that that's the whole point of 
the blues, this to be more organic versus structure. Mm-hmm. Granted that there is there's there's levels to it, but then also like and the blues to me is like at the end of the day it's one of those things of like learn all the rules and break them. Mm-hmm. It's like as soon as you learn how to do your you know your scales or even just like your one five four your one four five, um, just break them, just really break them, and then that's how you open it up. Like you know you you think you don't know blues, but you know blues. Eric Clapton, uh, Jimi Hendrix, um, mm-hmm. Jimmy Page. Mm-hmm. These guys were blues in their foundation because you can, I mean, if you look at the history, even like John Lennon, like they love mm-hmm. Chuck Berry. Chuck Berry just recently passed away. Yeah. And he's he was the father of rock and roll, but his, his music is blues. Yeah. His music yeah. is blues bass. Even Jimi Hendrix, which was, it, it didn't dawn on me until just like really, really recently. Like I was a huge Jimi, I still am a huge Jimi Hendrix fan. Mm-hmm. And it took me years to try to figure out how is he playing this music. And it's, it's like, it's so out of this world. And then like, the more I started listening to it, and the more I started like diving back into blues, like, it all made sense. And then it was just like, oh, this guy's just playing blues and it's just heavier and it's louder and it's no, faster. No, absolutely, yeah. And Jimmy Page is the same way. And Eric Clapton is primary number one. It was just like the same way. Like one of his uh, favorite guitar players was uh, Robert Johnson. Okay. Robert Johnson's, uh, he died when he was 27. He's the guy that people believe that like he literally sold his soul to the devil. Oh, okay. To learn how to play blues, like mm-hmm. standing at the crossroads. Yep. And he just like, Gave his guitar to the devil, guitar, uh, devil tuned it up, and the next thing you know, like, he's just going wild. Like, it was his music that influenced, you know, um, what's the guy that, that plays with Mick Jagger, the, uh, the other guitar player? The, oh, the guy from Room 5. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Well, that's beef talk, everybody. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I derailed that thought. I'm sorry. Um... Play with Nick, Nick McJagger. Um, with, with the Rolling Stones. It's Keith. Keith. Uh, Rich, Richardson? Richards? Keith Richards. Keith Richards. Keith, Keith, Keith Richards. Blues. Yeah. Blues. True. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Robert Johnson influenced Richards, Clapton. The list goes on. And these are blues musicians. Mm-hmm. Like blues based, blues style. And... Just to, just to go back to it, it's like that's the history, and that's like black people's history that basically influenced modern music as we know. Mm-hmm. And to go back to explore, to learn it, and to understand, like I say, you know blues, but you just don't really necessarily know where it all comes from. And not to say you in particular. No, but, like, but I mean, but you even heard me say it. Like, you know, like I, I, I'm, I'm not all that up on blues music or to know like, you know, the, the, um, the intricacies to really hold a, a long conversation as a record right. of podcast <laughs> talking about blues. But I mean like, but that's where we learn. And then like, you have the pieces like, like, like you said, and then you just apply mm-hmm. them. Like even with your, your newest release, and I'm going to attempt to say this again without your help. Um, in the Apple Villa Sippy. Indianapolis Villa Sippy. Indianapolis Villa Sippy. Um, it's a it's a blues instrumental, mm-hmm. which which that's a prime example of when 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 you had said like like you know the organicness of it, and then learning your the the structure of it, and then breaking all the rules from from, from it. It's 
an incredible listen to. Yeah. And it's just just shows how much of a of a of a free form, yeah. organic, just kind of like just sitting there and just fucking going at it. Yeah. And it exactly. still has that styling, but it's still like something that comes from you. Right, right. And it's very emotionally driven, I might add too, like um in particular when it comes to Indianapolis, Zippy, it was a it was like a think piece slash um concept of just like the reality of it just really kind of missing home really just knowing that like you know i've been in brooklyn for you know such and such but you know how often do i go home not so much like probably like three times a year two three times a year obviously for holidays and stuff Mm -hmm. like that but every time when i go home there's this always there's this sense sense of nostalgia that just like overwhelms me and you know Indianapolis you know downtown in particular is not all skyscrapers and where I'm from it's all like flat and everyone has a backyard everyone has like yeah. a lawn and yeah. I grew up in a small little ranch house and it's just like everybody worked and everyone went to school yeah. and a huge highway and not too far is like the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and it's just like it's it's home and it's it's homely and it's humbling and going back and then like coming to New York there's the sense of just like I do miss it for what it is because you know when you live in a city like this everything is so so fast paced it's hard to hold and hang on to stuff unless you're like uniquely invested into it and so sure. when it came to you know Indianapolis Mississippi it was just a run of the mill of just like you know this is how I felt about home. This is how, like, home influences me. And this is how home, like, you know, basically honed a a style of music that I was in particularly just, like, interested in. And I I took it and I just made it my own. If If there was one thing that I learned when it came to blues, along with, like, breaking all the rules, is that you're not trying to reinvent the wheel. You're just mm-hmm. trying to take what is already there and just make it your own. That makes sense. Yeah, and I think that like that album kind of stands. It kind of is for me. It's the the first stepping stone into saying like I have this style that is it's not new, but I'm making it my own. Mm-hmm. So I'm really proud of it. I'm really happy for it. <laughs> no, yeah, absolutely. It's it's, it's really awesome to to listen to, and it's all it's, it's also just. Really cool to to branch out and explore the different mediums that are that are out there. Because I mean, like with Babe Talk, we we started first with like you know predominantly like pop punk bands, but then yeah. like you know slowly as we started getting like our our notoriety, we ended up having presented like different artists and different bands. Like we had talked to different, um, especially you, you know what's very odd, especially moving up here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Just being able to immerse yourself in into a large community because that's the whole thing mm-hmm. that I love about New York City so much is that there are so many different cultures. You know, you can walk ten blocks one way; it's all Chinese, and the other way is, is and Russian, Russian, and Puerto Rican, Hispanic, yeah. Dominican. Oh man, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And not any one of those communities speak English at all. No, they have, <laughs> and it's not only that; like, like they speak a certain different English that, like, only really mm-hmm. just is like for those particularly type of people that live in that area. Granted, that like. The New York, uh, the Brooklyn accent, it's kind of, it's there, but it's not there because it's getting, Brooklyn's getting gentrified by the minute. It's yeah, like, true. it's there, it's not there. I used to live in Midwood 
when I kind of got here, like Kensington Midway area, which is like Ditmas Park. Okay, okay. It's very, it's very far south. It's past Prospect Park. Okay. So, um, Hasidic Jews, Hasidic Jewish neighborhood. Okay. Like point blank period, and a lot of them still have like the Brooklyn accent, but they have their own language. They have, yeah. they, oh they, my own, God, yeah. they own, they have Yiddish language, but then they also have like their own language within Brooklyn, like Brooklyn it's English. Wild. And it's like, it's wild. It's, it's, wild. it's wild indeed. And, and, and that's the one thing that, that's really cool. It's, it's just like, you can't find, I mean, you could find this in other locations, but I mean, like it's, it's so, there, there, there's no way that, that this should really happen. Yeah. And yeah. it's here. It's like, like here. If, you, if you look it's at here. other communities, like, like, you know, like if you look at like, like Florida, California, Texas, like they have their pockets but right. like, if you look at them, I, I saw this one picture looking at a, a map of Queens with every different dialect. Yeah. To, to say that you can look at Queens and have different dialects, yeah, that, that's, it doesn't that's make sense. It's it like make you don't really need to travel the world. Just go to no, Queens. Just go to Queens. <laughs> <laughs> it's insane. It just gets you two seventy five and takes like what? what is well, it's now three dollars now. Can you? Can, it's no longer two seventy five. That's well. Funny. It's no. It's two. It's two seventy five still, but it's it's the it's how much the car itself costs. Oh, true. Yeah, true. And it's like it costs it costs more for like a monthly pass as well as like a seven day pass. Yeah, and that still doesn't make sense. But yeah, exactly. It's like <laughs> that's all it's up. It's been a rough week. Yeah, I know. It's been a rough week for New Yorkers. Sorry, it was into like New Jersey. We're 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 going off soon. But um, but, but but yeah, like once I end up moving up here is, is kind of when Babe Talk started to to expand its um musical interests, and a lot of different publications were like, hey, like we had this pop artist, and I'm like, I'm pop punk, I don't need to. But then I was right. like, you know what, like that's unfair. Like like the whole tagline of Babe Talk is promoting our community. So mm-hmm. so so to cut off anyone that 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 has. I remember my, my, my mentor many years ago was like, it takes balls to get up on stage and, and, and expose yourself like, like that. So if any individual wants to, to, to do that, then like they just have a voice. And I was like, right. holy shit, that's absolutely accurate. Right. So to, to be able to come up here and to expose myself to all these different cultural sounds that come from other individuals, it's like right. they need to be show showcased like yourself, which is awesome because I really don't know if I would be able to find this particular kind of diversity back in my hometown me neither me neither um you know indianapolis speedway in particular is predominantly white there's hispanic and then there's black Ooh. but even at that everyone is just you know regular kind of regular job average show yeah and not even to say in, like in a negative way it's like people work people work for a living people live for a living the, the, the way that you describe your your community it makes it seem like um it's more like a like a suburban blue collar town which there's Sub- nothing wrong with it but it's ho-hum so suburban in its way mind you i did i was raised in the hood i was raised in the hallville indianapolis as well as uh kind of more central indianapolis mm-hmm. um but as I got older, yeah, we, we, we lived in a predominantly more suburbial, you know, uh, strip malls, yep. car dealerships, fast food joints <laughs> that are like, you know, kind of in and out and stuff like that. But the particular street, 38th Street, in which I like grew, was just like this long strip of just like 
dealership, dealership, porn shop, dealership, dealership, strip mall, strip mall, yeah. pet shop. And it's just like, yep, that was that was pretty much it. There was nothing really exciting until they like built an IHOP. I was going to say, all like, along, like, Chipotle <laughs> comes in. It's just like, oh, <laughs> shit, exactly. like, I'm going to be first in line. Right, exactly. I did grow up next to a steak and shake. They're, I don't know mm-hmm. if you know what a steak and shake is. I don't know, but it sounds delicious. Oh, yeah. They, they just make these uh, these kind of, like, flat meat burgers that are kind of, like, you know, real thin. But at the same time, they, they always have, like, a nice, like, buttery bun. And they oh, always okay. put, like, pickled onion and stuff like that. And you get, like, these shoestring fries. But they're known for their shakes, which is like, it's, it's like uh, Reese, Oreo, or vanilla, and chocolate side by side. And it's like, you get all these different specialty shakes. And it's paired with a burger. And I, yeah, and I went to school. I went to the middle school that's like right next to it. And when I would get out of middle school, I'd just go right around the corner and hang out with my friends at Steak and Shake. And, and it's even when I go back home, like mm-hmm. all my friends are like, let's go to Steak and Shake. Let's make that move. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, it never gets old. It's mm-hmm. like, yeah, very, very hangout down the street, same old thing you did last week type stuff. Nice. <laughs> so, and it's cool that you're able to come back home and be able to, to, to visit that way as yeah. if you never left. Yeah. So yeah. so now we have this, this this portrait kind of kind of said about how your hometown was. So where did the music start start to intertwine with with your old lifestyle? Um, well, it really just kind of music has always been a big influence in my life. Um, I remember, I'm not going to lie, like one of the first memories that I really had was playing uh, air guitar on a broom with my dad and I believe we were listening to Metallica like it was that old but it was just one of those things of just like it was a memory that like burned into my head and I didn't really I didn't pick up guitar until I was like 14 Hmm. um, 14, 15 and it was like music was always one of those things where it influenced me a lot like I loved my parents were more R&B like Late 80s, early 90s, Velvet DeVoe, SWV, um, Heavyweight, you know, Fat Boys. um, Shaka Khan. Shaka um, Khan. um, They're they're, they're, just a band. Lisa Lisa somebody very white. uh, (laughs) I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah, the one my mom used to play it all the time. She's like, been around the world and I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My mom was a, my mom is a huge Prince fan. Same. Yeah. So I think that there was something in me that was like innately like I want I want to play like this guy I want mm. I want to be like this guy because my mom loves him and I'm gonna play like him and she gonna love me <laughs> but if yeah music um it wasn't until uh, maybe that I was my early teens that definitely I just remember in middle school being one of those kids of just like listening to what the girls were listening to hmm. and like I got to get into it but then as I was like when I got into middle school I started exploring different types of music now I would say this and I hope no one judges me but I was in the creed for a while and then with arms wide open oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I th- oh man when you know, I, I, yeah. I, I, I don't blame you because I remember when I was in middle school, I, I sang um, a Nickelback song for, oh. for a talent show, oh. and I remember doing it. Like I probably gonna start a fight. 
Oh no. <laughs> yeah, but I'm made it as a wise man. <laughs> Yeah. So I don't blame you. It was a thing. Yeah. 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 I I remember getting into Creed, and mm-hmm. then it all went downhill when I discovered Nirvana. Hmm. Um, Kurt Cobain, Chris Novoselic, Dave Grohl was the pinnacle. It was like it was the turning point of like, okay, I I like music, and regardless of me being black, regardless of me being you know living in you know the hood. I started listening to Nirvana heavily and it was just like, it opened me up into different, just being more accepting into like different genres. Cause you know, I mean, growing up black, people hand you hip hop and you're like, okay, like hip hop. Yeah. You don't really try to venture out that much. Granted that, you know, it's more acceptable now as we, as you know, the generation starts to tie into you know the different types of music start to like blend into each other but mm-hmm. nirvana was a huge turning point and that opened me up to listen to like my chemical romance uh black flag i was huge oh, nice. into punk i was nice yeah I was gonna say. yeah you talk about pop punk i was a minor threat black flag <laughs> uh dead kennedys and bad brains i was just nice like, nice so like throughout you know, seventh, eighth grade, up into like high school, like that was like, that's just kind of like took over. Mm-hmm. And then, like, like I said, when I was like 14, 15, um, I think I was, I remember just really being one of those kids that like I had friends everywhere, but the friends in particular that kind of stuck out to me was the skater slash, let's just sit up in our garage. And my dad has a guitar, and he, he taught me how to play. And I just remember having this friend that was like, he had the huge Marshall half stack and he had like a Gibson Les Paul and he was like, you want to hear me play like uh, Crazy Train from, you know, <laughs> Ozzy Osbourne? Yeah. And I was just like, I gotta learn. I gotta learn. And then I remember, I didn't, I don't clearly remember, which I may have. I may have begged my mom a million times to give me a guitar, but I think she also saw the affinity of just like me wanting, me wanting to play, me having an interest in learning. Sure. And she bought me a guitar mm-hmm. and it just kind of snowballed into immediately listening. I think the, the first song I learned how to play was Red Hot Chili Peppers, Scar Tissue. Oh man. Yeah. And I learned how to play that. And then I just was like, I just took it to the next level. I just really was like, I I didn't have no one teaching me. Didn't nobody teach me how to play, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. I really just, um, I really, like, listened and paid attention. I really, like, saw the kids that, like, I was really nervous to, like, ask them if I could play guitar. Because, you know, there's always the culture of just, like, you know, once you pick up the guitar, you got to know how to, No, true. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I decided, I just was like, I'm going to. Pay, sit down and pay attention and learn. And that's that's kind of what happened. I just kind of like picked up and took it as a, as it came. And then when, you know, when you took it, well, like year one and year two came and then I'm starting bands with friends. Mm-hmm. And my mom was very um, nice for us to use her garage and bother my neighbors mm-hmm. with loud hardcore music, loud metal music that was like coming out of it and like, 
my my friend who was a good drummer, like he would have us all like crash in his his his, his van, and he would like take us. Oh, like, he would come, okay. he would pick all of us up, and then take me back home. And then my mom was very nice of just like letting us play in the garage and letting us like eat and chill for a little bit, but then letting us play. And so she was very supportive and just kind of like letting me be the person that I wanted to be when it came to music. And then it just, it really just like kind of took off. Um, in high school, I, I played, I played here and there. I mostly did, I did a lot of singing. One of the things that I, I neglect to mention is like in elementary, I was always a singer. Uh, singing was like my first instrument, my voice. Mm -hmm. um, I was in choirs. I was in traveling choirs. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, and um, it was very eye-opening experience. When, to be to be completely honest, like you know, the only opportunity for me to ever like get out and go see, um, you know, go out and travel was through music. And when I joined like a choir, it was always field trips. There was always like city competitions, state competitions, and I would go. Mm -hmm. And I would, they, there was, I, I didn't have the means to get there, but they saw that, like, I had the drive and the want to get there. And I think that, like, I had teachers that saw that and supported the idea of me wanting to get out and go travel. And music has always been that engine for me to, like, it's been that vehicle for me to get out and do stuff. And then after high school, like I said, like, after high school, it was more bands, you know, playing in different bands. I picked up the camera, and like I said, I, I did a stint in college of uh, doing photography. But I, I have to admit on record that, like, I did more playing than than going to school. Like, I was mm -hmm. really one of those people that was like, I'm about to, I'm about to hang out with these bands, and we about to go to the, like no, this, yeah, this and this and that, and and I'll do my homework later. <laughs> And, yeah, it, it just kind of, just kind of blew up. Um, up until now, I, I just really decided to take it seriously when I moved to Brooklyn because it just seemed like it was a, the the better opportunity to do it. Like there was, I can't, I can't say that I, I was doing, I was trying to do other things, but music was the one thing that like I could, I knew that, I knew that I could do. And not to not be like, I'm better than anybody, but it's like, you know, you can do it and you have a certain level of confidence and all you have to do is just build on it. So, yeah. And, and, and that's commendable because there are a lot of kids that, that they'll, and, and it's weird, you know, just, just mm -hmm. like, it's, it's knowing your, yourself, not to quote Drake at all, but I mean, right. like it's, it's knowing your, yourself and knowing where your comfort level is at. And yeah, exactly. I mean, just like peering through your social media, like, you know, like I'm a, I'm a social media ma manager for a few different um, individuals. Okay. And I try not to equate a band's um, talent according to your social media. But, like, if you look at yours, like, you look established as fuck. And, and that's really <laughs> interesting to see because, like, you just said, like, like you just started taking it seriously now. And you right. can see the work that's put in there. You can right. see how many shows that you're playing. Right, And right. for the amount of shows that you are playing, it's like you've been – well, you haven't played for years. But, I mean, like, as Marcus J, like, you know, like, it's only been, what, I would say maybe, like, a year, six, a, actually a year and a half. A year and a half. Um, yeah, to be honest, uh, I didn't start really playing under the moniker Marcus Jade until a year and a half. Like I said, I was always playing. I always did like open mics. Yeah. Um, 
Marcus Jade is my real name, by the way. Marcus Jade, my last name, which I won't mention, but Marcus Jade is my first and my middle. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a year and a half ago, I literally remember on my 24th birthday, I was like, with the coin, and I was like, I'm either going to be a writer or I'm going to be a musician, because I'm just, as, I'm, I was good at writing. And mm-hmm. then it landed on being a musician, and I was like, that's it. I'm not going to think twice about it. I'm just going to wow. do it, because... I was in a position where it's like, I I really felt like I was in a position like, if I don't do it, I'm going to regret it. Mind you that like, you know, there's always this idea of like, somebody, I think somebody told me that like, you know, so-and-so is, you know, you're always, depending on who you are, you're always going to be who you are. You're always going to be like a good guitar player and you can, you can stop doing it and you can go and do other stuff. And I was like, yeah, but if I don't take it seriously... I might not ever get the opportunity ever again to really like take it seriously. I might be too burned out if I did it, if I started like now versus when I did when I was like, you know, a year and a half ago. True. Yeah. Because so, I mean, it, it, it is the same. Right. It, 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 it can like take a mental toll on you, especially like if, if you put in the work and then like you end up getting disappointed at the end of it. Like not saying that this would end up being future because I mean like. Right. Just, Taking a look at what you've been doing, you're fucking grinding and like, like yeah, really putting into work to make sure that that your music is being heard and it's not as if it's it's kind of like a work in progress. You already know what you're doing, right? So right. it's putting like like you know your your established wet feet just hitting the concrete and getting shit done. And mm-hmm. it's funny that 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 you meant. Well, I guess it's really funny since it is an endeavor that that you explored before. Your 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 writing, which I didn't know that 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 you also wrote poetry as well. Yeah, I um, I write poetry. I've been published, and I got published in Germany, um, for a magazine called Berlin Unspoken. Oh, okay. And yeah, I got. I got you know, I got. I, I've gotten some pieces published here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also did some um, editorial work for um, an online magazine called Red Wedge Magazine. Mm-hmm. Um, so writing was not new. I had been writing for years and years and years, and I like will always journal. I have like hundreds of like just excerpts and hundreds of pages and tons of just books of just like daily writing routines. And so um, writing was something that like came to me. I I guess you could say that it was, it's a necessary component when it comes to playing music. And it was a, it was a, a component to add to the music. And you can say that like, you know, there's one aspect of being, of practicing guitar, but then there's also that aspect of practicing writing. And writing for me was always a way of just like, if I'm not playing guitar, I must be writing. And poetry, it kind of just came out in its own self, um, which actually two years ago, if I'm not mistaken, I had published an online book. It's just on my website and it's on Amazon. It's called The End of a Cigarette. And it's just like poetry. It's just poetry. It 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 doesn't really mean anything because it's one of those things of just like I did it for the love of writing. But the music called me. The music called me, man. And I just never looked looked back. <laughs> well, writing was it's it's. I feel like it's a necessary a necessary component if anybody wanted to be like a singer songwriter, like, and not just writing for the song but writing for your own 
for your own purpose, for your own gain. Because, you know, at the end of the day, you just want to write. You want to be able to, you know, control your own thoughts and have your own thoughts, you know, grounded. So that way, especially when it comes to writing a song, like, it doesn't have to be structured, but it definitely has to have a sense of who you are in the song. And you have to know just a little bit about who you are and it comes from writing. Mm-hmm. That's actually yeah. accurate. Yeah. So 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 now we have the 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 backbone of your instrumental composition history with, mm-hmm. with now learning that that you're an uh, uh, expressive writer. And and your knowledge of the blues is 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 incredible. When did it start to to, to really influence your, your your performing? Well, um that's a good question. Cause like, cause going from like punk to to the blues, like that, yeah, that that's yeah. pretty heavy. Well, 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 it kind of. I tell you this that like blues was always very ambiguous to me. Like it was to me, I felt like blues was a catch-all word. Like I thought blues was just like, even when I was like thirteen, fourteen, I thought like blues was just like. Everyone thinks it's like sad music and it's like depressed music and it's like, yeah, I didn't want to say, I didn't want to listen to like depressing music. I didn't want to listen to like sad music. Um, But it wasn't until I may have been like 17, 18 that I heard like Sun House. Mm -hmm. And Sun House was this Delta Blues guitar player and he plays sly guitar at times, but he plays in just this like guttural vicious like just like dangerous way of just like listening to the blues and it's like the first time I heard it I was scared like I was like I was almost like I was afraid of listening to it because I was afraid of what I was going to hear and then it didn't really dawn on me that like well I knew that blues was black people's music but I didn't know the level of just I didn't know the like the very um it's the very bedrock of black history to be honest it's you can't say black history and not talk about blues mm-hmm. um and so it was one of those things that kind of made its way as i started getting older and really started like asking myself more deep questions because i would say that like you know when you listen to pop music or pop punk when you listen to hardcore when you listen to when I listened to punk music, like I, I loved it, and there was an appreciation, and there was like a true, like a true, like sense of belonging into the music. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's always this, this, this culture behind the music in which it just it's heavily dominated by the young white, like you know, kids, yeah. young white yeah. male, yeah. and it's like okay, that's great. Um, so. But at the end of the day, like me being, you know, who I am, me being young, black and in America, like I always felt like, you know, I could run and be in, <laughs> you know, a punk rock band and go and hang out. But then there's always this backlash of just like, you know, through a sea of salt, there's like four or five grains of pepper. You know, there's four oh, or true. five like yeah. black kids that are actually there. And I was mm-hmm. like. The more I kind of started becoming aware of, like, you know, my own, my place in society, I think the blues just naturally kind of, like, came out of this idea of just, like, you know, the singularity 
and the the power of just being uh, a part of a culture that has always been determined by the pe or have always been forefronted by the people that literally created it by the people that it, it it supported and by the people that like nurtured it and so it was natural for me to get into blues when like i started becoming more and more aware and started really just hanging out with more black people too i guess you can say yeah. and not even to say it in a negative way it's like you know when you are growing up and you're especially like when you're in the punk music when you're in the hardcore music you naturally gravitate towards people that listen to that type of music, i.e. the majority, you know, young white males. Mm -hmm. And that's great. And even now, like, blues music is, I remember, like, you talk about social media. I was just recently going through, like, Instagram and looking, like, blues music. And there may have been, like, two black known blues musicians throughout, like, the hashtag feed that's coming out of it. And I was just, like... I just remember feeling like, damn, you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, appropriation is a bitch, you know. Ooh, and so that ain't the truest <laughs> thing I've heard today. Right. And so there's like I've I I don't want to sound like I had like like No, of course, yeah. But, but there's but like but, 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 but like it's and like when it when it comes to appropriation, like there are a lot of individuals that that, that will fight the idea that I mean like it's we're we're there's nothing new underneath God's sun. And right. like we can yeah, that's true, but also in the same token, it's like how much credit is actually being afforded to the original artist. The original artist. And yeah, I think that that was something for me to be like um just to really just take it upon myself and to really give it to give myself a sense of uh, belonging within my own culture mm-hmm. and a sense of just like, to be honest, it really just kind of came natural to me to play it. And so it really helps when you, it helped more for me to have a background in punk rock music, to have a background in hardcore metal and then turn around and go and play blues versus, you know, somebody that, may have had a, like a blues background and then go out and explore. I guess I went backwards because I can know the different types of styles and then blend them back into the blues. Yeah. And that's something that I've been trying to trying to just hone into myself to make it my own. And so it I tell you that also it wasn't until that um when I moved here I lived above I lived in a basement apartment with my ex-girlfriend at the time. And and with my girlfriend at the time, and we lived above some jazz musicians, and all like all morning, noon, and night, we would just hear the most beautiful that music, is the and it's just like you hear like the the trumpet, you hear the bass playing, you hear the saxophone, you hear like um, the, the, I forgot the name of it, but it's like the huge xylophone, clavichord or whatever it's called, but it's like. Um, I just heard that music and I just was like, I gotta, I gotta know how to play it. Mm. But then they was like, no, nah, man, you don't, you don't have to learn how to play it. Learn, learn what you want to learn. And I was like, well, I want to learn more blues. And they was like, oh, it's like you in for a treat. And I already had blues. I had already had a blues background, but then it just was like, I spent like, you know, you know, nine years of just like learning songs but then 
I started learning structure and when I learned structure the blues came back and it was it was revitalized within my own like work schedule along with my own um study of just like learning to play guitar and then also last thing is that like the thing about the blues is that it's like it's work music it's it's to me it's work music when I first got here in New York I had two jobs I didn't I didn't have friends like I worked two jobs and I, I stayed working and I was always on my feet. I was always talking to millions of people. Oh, and okay. so I'm following this like the blues had essentially like that was the music that, you know, people listened to when they was working. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was just like I had all this time to sit and really like dwell and listen to blues music. And it just like it exploded. It exploded. Um, but yeah, that's that's. That's one of the reasons that like blues had became important to me because it was just like it's it's so much more relatable for me. It's mm-hmm. so much more tangible. It's so much more um, visceral and honest. There's a sense of purity into it. There's a sense of beauty that like I could not find. I may have found in, in punk rock. I may have found in metal. I may have found in like hardcore pop punk and stuff like that. But there was just nothing like it. And to say that this music, a lot of the music was like 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, and it's so relevant to me now. You know, it's like, you know, 60 plus, you know, 60 years, 64 years into the future. Mm-hmm. And this is music that, like, is very relevant now. And so I just took it around, we took it and ran with it, you know? That's incredible. Wow. Well, we're going to like pause the interview for for a moment and we're going to showcase one of your songs. Um, before the podcast had started, I was like, oh, okay, what song do you want to showcase? And I don't think we actually got to the end of that conversation. <laughs> so um, pick a song. Um, let's let's discuss it real, real fast. Um, and then we'll play for everyone to hear. Yeah. Um, the song that I want to play is called uh, Naptown Slide. And it comes from the Indianapa, Mississippi. Uh, album uh, Naptown Sly is pretty much a de- it's kind of a dedication to Indianapolis they call it Naptown uh, because it's it's a little sleepy city in its way it's very I wouldn't say it's very slow but when you compare it to like Chicago when you compare it to New York City of course like time tends to just ease its way you know, instead yeah. of just like being twenty four seven, no sleep, so like that. And uh, Naptown Slide just kind of came out of um, the fact that like um, I play slide guitar, and I wanted to, I wanted to bring back this type of feel that blues musicians from Indianapolis, two in particular, Scrapper Blackwell, as well as Wes Montgomery, who's a an incredible, amazing jazz uh, guitar player. He's a complete jazz guitar player, but he's from Indianapolis. And he had a certain style in which, in which he played that completely influenced jazz guitar that we know now. But it derived from Indianapolis. Mm. And I was just like, let me let me kind of explore these different styles. And one of the things that I did was just I play in just a different, I play in a different key, I play it in a different tuning, and I just kind of took it and I wanted to, you know, bring back the influences of Scrapper and Wes Montgomery, but then also just like, it's the, to me, it's like the feel of being back home. 
That's what it is at the end of the day. <laughs> nice. All right. So let's get a taste of home. All right. So we're going to listen to Naptown Slide, which is off the EP that was recently released. What was this? This is actually, this is actually what? Like three days ago. Did you three days ago. Three days ago. It was ago. Um, my brother's birthday that I decided to um, drop it March 21st. Nice. And he turned 29, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. <laughs> is, is that who you dedicated this to as well? Jordan Demery. Yeah. He's my older brother. And I wanted to dedicate it to him because I love him. And... He's he's one of the reasons why I got I got into music. I just remember him and his his friends used to try to record and rap over you know a tape deck, oh, and wow. so I was just like, oh man, like I want to do that. And so like that's the one thing that just like I'm never gonna forget, and that's one of my biggest influences. So it's the album's dedicated to my older brother, Nat Town Slides, dedicated to the city of Indianapolis. All right, so let's take t- take a listen. Mm-hmm. So that's going to be the first track that was on there. We definitely listened to the song just now, right? 
Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> so it's very cool. So so the one thing that I really did appreciate um, about you as an artist is that is, is how hard you're currently working in Brooklyn or, or just in, in, in the New York City metropolitan area to, to yeah. make sure that your music is getting out there. Like you said, it's been a year and a half and it's been, I want to say, two years since you actually moved up here in general. Mm-hmm. And, and you're playing a lot of shows and you've been partnering with um, Artery, mm-hmm. which, which which is this, this new... Um, I don't want to say platform, but it, I get venture enterprise. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's this new program that, 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 that I've been seeing within the, um, the, the Brooklyn community. Yeah. And it's, um, they're, they're working with the, these, these local promoters and not even real cause they, they serve as a promoter. Yeah. In a way they, they help out with promotion and marketing, um, which helps a lot because I, one of the things that I've experienced here is that like especially when you get booked for a show like it's on you to promote like it's it's up to you to promote and so like that all is dependent on you you kind of get this high stress level because it's like if people don't come to the show you won't get paid and so forth and so forth and it starts to look bad but artery takes it upon themselves to promote within their own community because i think it, it helps them out definitely to get their name out um, but Artery and the founder, one of the co-founders, Vladik, has been extremely supportive in the, my whole um, idea of like, trying to get out and play. Um, like you said, I've been working a lot when it comes to just trying to get my music out there and doing a lot of shows. And being with Artery is, is another blessing in disguise of just like, you know, being a part of a, a community within itself to just like... One of the one of the best things about it is that it really brings the music closer to people, mm-hmm. and I think that there is like this level of disconnect that naturally just it just kind of happens when you are a musician and you play in front of people and you you're standing on a stage and everybody is you know looking at you and you know there's bunches of people just trying to wanting to get closer to you just to hear the music. Mm-hmm. Well, artery brings the music to people in their living rooms. And so there's this more um, sense of just uh, intimacy that I really, I I do like. I do like, and I think it's a perfect platform for blues music because blues music is intimate. Mm -hmm. And so working with Artery, um, they've helped me get, you know, some shows here and there. And I continue to work with them on some new ideas. I've been trying to get some DC shows soon, so I'm looking to do really. Yeah. So, so like this. So, so now Artie is kind of helping with routing. Yeah, which is, uh, I mean, like this this whole like venture is so completely interesting because mm-hmm. I'm from a DIY space where right, she's right. like a lot of kids are just like you'll sew a show show together. Let's you know like five bucks or whatever you can pay, and they're like right, it's all right. good. Which this is basically what it is, except that like. It's not. It's now starting to, to, to incorporate, like, you can pay ahead of time. Like, you yeah. know, you, but, and they're not going to charge, like, um, the, the, the service fees, for, mm-hmm. like, like, tickets. You can just, like, you know, pay what it is. Pay, pay what you can. And, pay what you can. And the intimacy is what was real interesting because right. I was expecting, like, just you have a PA system or, like, you right, know, whatever. Right. And, like, there it is. But, like, there was, like, chairs set up. And I was like, what is this bullshit? But, like, <laughs> I saw and I was like... This is, this, this is a little needed. 
Yeah, because because yeah. like before, you know, you have kids that are just like you know, like talking between the acoustic sets and just standing around and doing whatever, which is right. fine because that's just the culture that comes with live music. Right. But now we're we're starting to promote, and they they have caps on who can come out. Where it's like, well, like a fifteen person cap. Yeah, exactly, fifteen twenty person cap, and um, that is arranged by the host as well as depending if the artist you know came up with the showcase idea. Mm-hmm. But there's generally a cat. There's generally, you know, 15, 20 people minimum. Which is r- realistic. Like, like mm-hmm. not to talk shit on, like, anybody within the music community, but, I mean, like, if, if you're, like, a fresh artist and you're saying, like, all right, I'm going to bring out, like, 45 people to my show, we're all right. like, yeah, okay. Right. We'll, right. we'll see right. how, how that's a, that That's goes. a stretch. That's a stretch. It is. And, like, if you're able to do that, that's fantastic. Right. But if we're talking on, on like, a it's, it's on a Thursday, like, and we have two weeks to promote the show, right. and you have your fan base from being, like, you know, a fresh artist, most likely that show is probably going to tap right. out at, like, it's... 15, 20 people. So, like, you have this, 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 this showcase you have the individuals on a bill it's it's pay what what you can sometimes and it's still like around that diy price point right and the sense of intimacy this seems as if like it's really in the best favor for everybody exactly exactly and that's one of the things that i like um you know i came from a diy culture as well Mm -hmm. i was used to playing in garage you know garages or basements uh in fact the first artery show i did um, which is how we met. Mm-hmm. Um, I had just done a show in Philadelphia. Like I want to ask you about it because, like, I, I used to go to Philly shows all the time, and I right. want to know who you played with. I play. I played at this place called All Night Diner. Um, oh, I don't know that. Now I'm mad. Look at you. Now I'm. They're gonna kill me if if I get their names wrong. But it was like uh, Secret Seahorse that I played with. They and they were like this band that like. Uh, Front girl that played, uh, I believe she may have played a Gibson SG, but like they were, it was pop punk. It was pop punk and it was hardcore. No sick, okay. And so you had like, I had like these like 1600 people in this basement and you know, these, all these bands played and then here's me with a guitar and my voice <laughs> mm-hmm. and I had all of them just like sitting down and honing in. Now granted, oh. that was a very, fortunate opportunity like it was great it was one of the best shows that i did um and then i turned around woke up the next day had to get ready got on the bus and mm-hmm. came back to brooklyn and took a shower and did a show did my first artery show and yeah like you said you know may have, may have been like 20 people there if, if i'm not mistaken it wasn't yeah, a lot of people it, it was, was like it was, chairs it was chairs and everyone had yeah, people we, we we had the, the little girl with the uh, with the with the the gave the girl like like this yeah. the whole thing was just like so bizarre because like it's it shouldn't it, it's counter punk right right but like it's still punk it's still in a DIY. sense yeah, it's, it's still, still DIY very organic in yeah. the way that everything kind of came together mm-hmm. and I was very I was I was a little bit taken aback um, but still I was I was obviously tired but still I was just like. Wow, the intimacy, the ambiance, like everything was just beautiful. And um, I forgot the the individual's place that we played at, but he had a really wonderful backyard. And yeah. thank God that it just it was not cold at all. It was it, it was, was, cold, it was a beautiful night. But it was a beautiful night. Yeah, and I like hoodie weather. Oh yeah, yeah, hoodie weather, sweater weather, sweater weather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and the sweater. 
Vladek, he puts the, he helps put these things together. Um, you know, 15, 20 people minimum. Mm-hmm. BYOB. Uh, pay mm-hmm. what you can, but then also, and he also filmed the set too. He also filmed the set. He also gave me a recording. Um, so no those, shit, did he really? Yeah, a lot of those things help out. So with you know the whole the other package that comes with you know with the show is that you know you get a recording of your music. He throws it. He tries to throw it on YouTube. He tries to throw it on the Facebook page mm-hmm. because it helps out artery as well. But then it also helps out the artist. Absolutely. Um, so. It brings traction to both, you know, Artery as well as the musician. And one of the things that's kind of happening right now is that Artery is still in its beta phase. Very much so. So the way I look at it is that, you know, just like anything else, like people want to know what is what is Artery. And then they see this video of me playing and it's like, oh, you played this show. And other musicians are like, damn, I want to play a show like that. Well, because Artery is still in its beta phase, it's like, let me know. I'll sign you up and then you're part of the you're part of the community as well. So it's kinda like this still DIY phase of just like word to mouth of just like like if you want if you still want to be a part of it, you have to know somebody that's a part of it. You can't just like sign up on the website and try to get on there. Like you have to know somebody, you gotta get an invite. And so there's still that DIY aspect that there's that's still that that word to mouth and then that intimacy, that sense of like community, all of the components, all the right necessary components. It's all the very necessary components, and and, it, and it's and it's a new take on an old format, which yeah. is which is fa- fantastic. And and it's funny that that you even said like, what is artery? And if you want to check out what is artery, go to artery is, and you'll be able to look up what it is. And, yeah, and they're they're they're, they're currently is. in New York City, Toronto, Washington D.C., Boston, and even like in Canada, in in across the seas. And I want to say that this is. Ollie's a very stupid individual, and there's a really long name here. Um, we're going to try and... It's somewhere out yeah, there. It's I'm not somewhere out there. It's somewhere out there. It looks like Icelandic. It looks very... Yeah, it's definitely out there, but... But it's 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 new. It's it's something that I think once we start to embrace it more, because there are going to be a lot of individuals that might view this as... Um, an abrasive takeover with tech technology, but yeah. but Vlad Vladic seems seems like a very genuine individual. This mm-hmm. program is very is, is is exactly what I think promoters will probably want to start leaning towards in the future. Yeah, because like it's very hard on on DIY promoters. Like I've in Philly and in Atlantic City and California, mm-hmm. it's it's pack breaking work that will burn you out. But yeah. like, but like once you have this new format that you can like you know you no longer have to chase down individuals, you no longer have to. Um, you can still get your show flyer going, but I mean like now you have like a direct link that's not Ticketfly or right. like or or, or Ticketmaster that takes out fees. This, right. this this is a great alternative. And I think that within the next few years, as it starts to build, it's going to be a really cool thing. Yeah, so, I agree. I definitely agree. So you guys, check, check out um, Artery.is. Um, they're actually not paying me at all. This is like a nice little segment for right, them. We're free promotion, bro. <laughs> free promotion. Ollie's <laughs> not getting a damn dime, so I'm going to hit up Vladek's <laughs> door next time I see him. But where are they going to be able to find your music, Marcus? My music, uh, you can go directly on my website, Um www.marcus, M-A-R-C-U-S-J-A-D-E, marcusjade.com. Um, there I have all my links from the SoundCloud and my Bandcamp. I also have the link to the poetry book that I mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I believe it's under one of the uh, things that says poetry. Um, but then there's also little symbols of like Twitter, Tumblr, SoundCloud. Just click on one of those and it will direct you to other websites that I try to control. Um, but yeah, that's where all my music is kind of like staying at right now. The um, Indianapolis Villasippi, as well as my previous EP, the Black Lives oh, yeah. Blues EP. We didn't talk about that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, Black Lives Blues EP, as well as Indianapolis Villasippi, are on Bandcamp. So just go to marcusjade.bandcamp.com mm-hmm. and you'll be able to find uh, both EPs. And like I said, uh, within the next month, I'm going to be dropping another EP. So just stay on the lookout for that. And definitely, I'm, I'm always working. I'm always making music. Always on that hustle. Get on that grind, son. Own it. Own it. So this is the um, this is probably going to be the inaugural episode because I think like this is a really like great informative. Um, in my this is the Pig Talk headquarters because I, I mean really like you, appreciate you, it. you, you, you really see appreciate the large it. studio, the big mixing board, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the big oh, yeah. signs, the neon. Sign. <laughs> everything is everything is everything we'll get your parking validated like you know so but this is a really awesome episode I'm very happy that that I met you and had the conversation that, that we did on the night of and now we're actually bringing the conversation to, to fruition with the podcast and so right. this was this was a great episode so uh, very you. happy to have you on the show thank um, you very much thank you very much you were you were wonderful Great questions. Oh, great conversation. Try. Try. <laughs> so yeah, guys, uh, keep on the lookout for Marcus Jade's music. Um, keep on the lookout for other episodes that we're going to be doing. Um, Babe Talk is back and better than ever. Um, we hope so. Um, this is a part of the show which I never know how to end. So we're just going <laughs> to go right ahead and say goodnight. Um, good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Be good to yourself because you're the only unit that you got. And um, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>